My name is John McCombs. I'm one of the assistant pastors here at City Reformed. I want to welcome you to our morning worship service. And I want to ask you now to turn your attention uh, to God's word. Uh, You'll find it in your bulletin. It's a short text today. On page 6, Mark chapter 10, verses 13 through 16. Mark chapter 10, starting in verse 13. Uh, As is our custom, after I I read uh, God's word, I'll I'll say this is the word of the Lord. If you could respond with thanks be to God. And they were bringing children to him that he might touch them. And the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. This is the word of the Lord. Well, it is the holiday season, and I don't know why. And I don't know when it'll stop. I don't really have cable, so I don't see too much of it anymore. But uh, all the old movies from the 1980s seem to find their way on a station between Thanksgiving and Christmas, do they not? Just about every old movie or classic you can think of, somehow, some way, uh, mostly from the 80s, some from the 90s, find their way... And if you watch on Thanksgiving Day, almost every year, you'll find a movie, and maybe some of you have seen it, and it goes by the title, Uncle Buck. Have you seen the movie, Uncle Buck? Can I have a show of hands? Who's seen the movie, Uncle Buck? All right, well, just a few of you, so I'll do my best here as I... uh, as I tell you just a little bit of the plot, and, uh, and then I, 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 I recount one exchange. Uh, and the exchange uh, will be between uh, the late John Candy, uh, if you remember him. He plays Uncle Buck, and, uh, and his brother's family has to go out of town really short notice because the parents are sick. And so they have to leave their kids with this guy. And he's very irresponsible. I see Jim there shaking his head. He knows, he's, he's seen this, right? So... So Uncle Buck has to come. There's no other option, and he has to come watch the kids. Uh, And there are three kids, uh, and one's uh, old and a little bit bitter, and she doesn't think she needs watched. And then there are two young kids, and one of those, of course, happens to be, I don't know if it's his very first acting experience, but it's early, uh, a guy named Macaulay Culkin, right? So I'm pretty sure this predates Home Alone, uh, 1989. And so here they are, and, and he wakes up, Uh, Macaulay Culkin wakes up, and Uncle Buck is there, right? And Macaulay Culkin has a few questions for him. And those questions go a little bit like this. Let me pull up the the dialogue on my phone here. So they're sitting across the kitchen table, I believe, if memory serves me right. And Macaulay Culkin, whose name is Miles, just starts off. And uh, he says, where do you live? Buck says, in the city. You have a house? Apartment. Owner rent? Rent. What do you do for a living? Lots of things. 
Where's your office? I don't have one. How come? I don't need one. Where's your wife? Don't have one. How come? It's a long story. <laughs> you have kids? No, I don't. How come? It's an even longer story. <laughs> Are you my dad's brother? Buck pauses. What's your record for consecutive questions asked? 38. I'm your dad's brother, all right. You have much more hair in your nose than my dad. How nice of you to notice. I'm a kid. That's my job. You got to see at least that part if you see nothing else. <clears throat> I would say you got to see the birthday celebration, too, where he's making a French toast so big you can't even get him through the door. But here's this young guy asking all these questions, right? Question after question after question. Kids sure are curious, aren't they? I mean, they sure are curious. They sure have lots and lots of questions. Lots and lots of questions. And, And you parents are sufficient to answer lots of your kids' questions. And you're more than sufficient to parent your children and raise them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. But you know as well as I do, you can't answer all their questions. And I don't know at what point in your parenting experience, if you are a parent, that that light bulb came on. came on pretty early for me. And when that light bulb comes on, it comes on for a reason. It comes on to tell you that although you are sufficient to parent your children and to raise them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, you are not all that they need. They need something much greater than you. They need someone with much more wisdom than you. They need someone, and that person is Jesus. And that very person, the Lord Jesus, has personally invited them in our text to come to him. And that's our job as parents, to take our little ones to the throne of grace that they might be blessed by him as we have been blessed. Our text picks up in Mark chapter 10, and at the beginning of the chapter, uh, we read that we are in the region of Judea, beyond the Jordan. Uh, In verse 10, we see that they're in a house, and and they're talking about marriage uh, and things associated with marriage. And so we move into our text today, and we don't know if they're still in that house. They could be. We don't know if they're on the go, so we don't know exactly where this takes place, except it's somewhere in the region of of Judea, which is is helpful for us. So as we go through our text today, I I want to uh, ask a lot of questions. I want to ask a lot of questions of this text, and I want to seek out the answers together. And I want you kiddos to be listening to the questions. I think you learn well by question and answer. I want you to be listening to the questions. And if you know the answer to the questions, then I want you to elbow mom or dad, whoever you're with, and say, I know, I know, and tell it to them. And hopefully you're right. And, and, and hopefully they know you're right. <clears throat> uh, and at the end here, I'm going to have a, a, a few candy canes up front if you didn't notice. Tis the Christmas season, so we're not going to do lollipops. But I'm going to have a few what I call candy cane questions. So I want you to be paying attention to all the questions and seeking the answers to all these questions. But there's a few candy cane questions. I've got three of them. And if you kiddos 
can come up to me afterwards and answer one or two or three of those candy cane questions, then I'd be pleased to give you one or two or three candy canes. Now, uh, for you big kiddos, you, you uh, young at heart ones, uh, I'll give you one too. <clears throat> but I might ask you a question. I might ask you a question. Um, so our text uh, opens up here, uh, and what we see uh, is uh, people bringing children to him, that is Jesus, that he might touch them. The beginning of verse 13. Right? And who are these people then? that are bringing these children to Jesus. And for what purpose are they bringing them? Those are our first two questions, not candy cane questions. Who are these people who are bringing these children to Jesus? And for what purpose? Well, all we get is a simple they. And they were bringing children to him. So who are the they? Well, I think we can presume they're parents, at least some, right? And and the text actually in the Greek is, is very specific to use the masculine pronoun. So it's not just mothers, okay? So I think there are clearly men in this group uh, that are bringing children to Jesus. Uh, So there are probably moms. There are probably dads. There could be aunts, uncles. There could be significantly older siblings. There could be grandparents. Lots of people are bringing children to Jesus. And given that we're in the region of Judea, I think that tells us largely something about the ethnicity of these people. I think they're Jewish. Okay. It's an assumption, but we're in Judea. Okay. We're not in the north in Galilee, and we're not in Samaria. So we're in the region of Judea, largely populated by what we would call Jewish people. Uh, and so we have Jewish mothers and fathers and aunts and uncles and maybe big brothers and big sisters or grandparents, and they're bringing children to Jesus Right? They're bringing children to him. How old are these children? The text doesn't tell us that either, at least not here. But there are parallel texts to this. You see, we're in, in Mark chapter 10, but in Matthew chapter 19 and in Luke chapter 18, uh, we also see very similar texts Uh, most certainly some literary dependency. Uh, The accounts are just too similar, but each text, and they're all near additional scriptures, have different nuances. Some include uh, things that others do not. And so one thing that Luke decides to do, and Luke is a doctor, okay? He's a physician. He's perhaps better with details uh, than Mark or Matthew, And so although Mark and Matthew just used the Greek word paideia, it's a general word for child that could mean any child, probably up to the age of 12 or so uh, in that that era. He's a little more specific. And in Luke uh, chapter 18, uh, we will read that the word actually is infants. And so your English translation there is a good one because the Greek word is very specific. So these are actually infants, the text would seem to tell us when we put all three together. So aunts, uncles, brothers, sisters, moms, dad, whoever, older Jewish folks are bringing their infants to Jesus. And why are they bringing them? For what purpose? Well, the text says, and they were bringing children to him that he might touch them. Mark just says that he might touch 
them. And it would have been very normal in that day and age to bring a young child, especially an infant, to a rabbi to be blessed. Okay? To be blessed, that they might pray over the child, that they might hold them in, the ar- in their arms, that they might ask God to bless the child. Yet these parents, these aunts, uncles, siblings, grandparents, whoever they are, they're not bringing them to a formal rabbi, to one who is recognized as a rabbi, to one who has the training as a rabbi, to one who fulfills that office. They're bringing these infants to the Lord, Jesus Christ. Which seems to hint at the fact that these Jewish mothers, fathers, whoever are bringing them, have in them some seed of faith. They are somehow, in some way, trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ. They have seen his grace, and they've come to acknowledge who he is. So are they bringing him just, or are they bringing these infants just to be touched? Well, again, this is where reading the parallel accounts helps us. And so as we look in Matthew chapter 19, it, 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 it expands that a little bit more. And it says this, that he might lay his hands on them and pray. Again, the assumption asking the Father uh, to bless them. So we've only had a couple questions so far. They're not candy cane questions. Uh, but we, we know now, as best we can, who is bringing these children. Uh, and we know for what purpose they're bringing them, that these infants might be put in the arms of our Lord Jesus Christ. Right? That he might touch them, that he might hold them, that he might pray over them, that he might bless them. Now, why on earth our next question would the disciples rebuke these parents? They're not rebuking Jesus. Uh, We continue in uh, verse 13. And they were bringing children to him that he might touch them, and the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant. So the picture we have before us here is, again, Jewish parents, primarily, as well as others, bringing their children to Jesus. And if they're in the house from verse 10, uh, then perhaps he's standing in the door, and the disciples are outside, and they're shooing away these parents. They're saying, get out of here. Don't bring your children to Jesus. And it's hard to know exactly what they're thinking or why they're thinking it, but perhaps they're thinking, like many people did in first century Palestine, that children had very little standing in society, that they just weren't all that important back then. And so surely our master has better things to do than tend to these children. Perhaps they're thinking he is just too busy with more important matters. Perhaps they're just being selfish and they don't want to be bothered. We don't know exactly what's causing them to dismiss these 
parents along with these infants, but they're doing it. They're doing it nonetheless. Have you ever found yourself not wanting to be bothered by little children? Have you ever found yourself not wanting to be bothered by little children? When they need help with something because they can't do it themselves, so they come to ask you for help and you're just bothered. It certainly does cut into our screen time, doesn't it, parents? You know, when, when we're on the phone and we're checking our email or we're doing whatever and they just come to us and they need help with this, that, or the other thing. And they're asking you and what an opportunity it is to serve and to love and we're bothered. We're upset. We have more important things to do, so I don't think we should be too hard on the disciples here, should we? We've probably all felt this. Perhaps every person who's ever lived has felt this. That is, every person except one person. Because you see, Jesus was never bothered by the little children. He was never bothered by these little ones. He was anxious to take them up in his arms and to hold them and to bless them. And it's because he was so anxious to do so. It's because of his great love for these little ones and his great love for the ones who were bringing them in faith that he was indignant he was indignant and that's a very strong word and it's probably a word that a lot of the little kiddos out there today don't exactly understand he was very angry Jesus was very upset that these little children were not being brought to him or were being held away by his very disciples. So let's see then what he says as we continue in verse 14. And oh, I, I say things in a much harsher tone than I can picture this text when I'm not that upset at all. Isn't the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ incredible? He's extremely upset. And these are his words. And as I thought about it again and again and read all the text, I, I, I think he would have said this very sternly and very seriously. But when I tried to say it in my often harsh and sarcastic tone, I just didn't sound right. I just can't picture that. So he says in verse 14, uh, but when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Here's our first candy cane question. Are you paying attention, kiddos? Who does the Lord Jesus say the kingdom of God belongs to? Who does the Lord Jesus say the kingdom of God 
belongs to. You see, this is the reason why the little children are to come to him. We expect him. He's upset. We expect him to say, let the children come to me, don't we? I mean, the parents are bringing them in faith. And the disciples are shooing them away and he's upset. We expect Jesus to say, let the children come to me. But perhaps what we don't expect is for him to say that to them, these little infants, they can't even walk. They probably can't talk. They can't say much. They can't feed themselves. They can't change themselves. They can do nothing by themselves. And our Lord says, to such belongs the kingdom of God. We need to pause and think about that for a moment. Let's start with the kingdom of God. What is this kingdom of God? Well, the kingdom of God indicates God's kingship or his rule. He's king over all things. He is the ruler over all things. To use a big theological word, he's sovereign over all things. And this kingdom or this rule is coming to be recognized in the hearts and minds of his people. And it's affecting their complete salvation. And it's bringing them together as the body of Christ. <clears throat> and it's guaranteeing them one day a new heavens and a new earth. This is the kingdom of God that he is referring to. This is what belongs to such as these children from our text. All the blessings of salvation, Jesus says, belong to these little children, even then. The ones that he was holding and to such as them, all the blessings of salvation belong to these little ones. A fact that would be realized in their lives progressively over time. And then fully upon Christ's return, they'd be consummated. They'd be perfected. Sinclair Ferguson has this to say. In verse 14, Jesus is saying, I am the king in the kingdom of God. I belong to these children and all those who are like them. These children should not be held back from him precisely because Jesus and his kingdom belong to them. But our Lord's words don't end there. He continues in verse 15. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And this is our second candy cane question. Are you ready for your second candy cane question? Here's your second candy cane question. What does it mean to receive the kingdom of God like a child? What does it mean to receive the kingdom of God like a child? As one commentator said, it means accepting it with Genuine, trustful simplicity with unassuming 
humility. Now the translation for our little kiddos is something like this. And maybe this is in your very recent past. Coming downstairs on Christmas morning and tearing into the very first thing that has your name on it and forgetting about everything else in the entire world. At least till you open the next toy. <laughs> maybe for a half hour, maybe for an hour, maybe for 10 minutes. But that became the most important thing in the world to you. That's what the kingdom of God is. It's the very most important thing in the world. And we are to take it. We are to receive it with open arms. We are to take it like the best gift we have ever received. And nobody takes a gift that's been given to them. I'll bet this didn't happen in anyone's house. But let me just ask. Did any of your kids, did any of you little ones, when you got a package that was wrapped all pretty, in our family if mommy wrapped it, or wasn't wrapped real pretty if daddy wrapped it, And you just looked at it and you said, that's beautiful. I'll just let it sit there. That's so pretty, I don't even want to touch it. I don't even want to know what's inside. I don't even want to play with it. I'll just let it sit. Oh, of course not. That has never happened in the history of all humankind. (laughs) Every present that has ever been underneath any single tree was torn into and worked over and played with and enjoyed. And that's what we are meant to do with the kingdom of God. Because the kingdom of God is all that you have ever longed for. Let me say that again to both little ones and big ones. The kingdom of God is all that you have ever longed for. And the kingdom of God is what is offered to you today. Will you receive it in all its simplicity, in all its glory? Just had to share this with you. Picture this in your mind. The gold pieces were piled up on the outside windowsill. Take one, said the sign. Have you pictured it? It's a pile of gold gold pieces on a windowsill with a sign that says, take one. All day long, people pass by thinking, this fellow can't fool me. Evening fell, and the owner was about to remove the pile. But just before he did, a child came by, read the sign, and calmly, without the least hesitancy, took one. All day long, everybody else went by, skeptical, cynical, too good to be true. Got to be a catch. There's something better for me out there. But what did the young child do? They stopped. They read the sign. They took it at face value. And with an empty hand, they reached out, and they took what was offered to them. Think about all the people that pass by in that cynicism 
in their skepticism and they miss that little gold coin. Sad, is it not? But when we understand that that gold coin actually, actually represents the kingdom of God, it's not just sad, it's tragic. It's not just sad, it's tragic. You see, the kingdom of God is far more than you and I often think. The kingdom is the rule of God in heart and life. And I'm reading from a commentary by uh, a man named Hendrickson, a great New Testament commentator. The kingdom is the rule of God in heart and life, together with all the blessings that result from this rule. And it's clear that entering the kingdom means entering life. That is everlasting life. Entering the kingdom of God amounts to being saved. According to John 17, verse 3, this is everlasting life, that they should know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou didst send. Such knowledge of or fellowship with God implies having freedom of access to his throne of grace. It implies experiencing the love of God that is poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God includes being transformed into the image of Christ. And oh, is he lovely. The kingdom of God includes being illumined by the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. The kingdom of God includes possessing the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. Not to mention the joy unspeakable and full of glory. And the kingdom of God includes that at Christ's return, a transformed body and a new heaven and a new earth for both body and soul are added. This is what is offered to us. And this is what we so often and so easily pass by because we're too busy, we're too cynical, we're too skeptical. We're looking for something better. We with open hearts and with open minds receive this kingdom of God that is being offered to you. Will you humbly and simply receive this kingdom of God like a child? Our text finishes up with a beautiful scene. One of the most tender in all of scripture. Verse 16, and he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on how many infants did the Lord Jesus take into his arms? Well, the text, it doesn't say, but it's at least a couple because we have a plural. It's at least a few, but the text seems to imply that there were many people coming, that there were many people that the disciples were trying to keep away, and Jesus is saying, let the little children come to me. 
And Jesus is tenderly taking them up in his arms one by one. And he's pronouncing blessings over these young children. And he's asking his Father in heaven to bless them and to keep them and to watch over them and protect them and to love them as he, as the very Son of God, has himself been loved by the Father. It's a beautiful picture. It's a picture that's a fulfillment of Scripture. You see, in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 11, we read this. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. This is the Lord Jesus Christ. This is our good shepherd, and it's time for our last candy cane question. Are you kiddos ready for the last candy cane question? Here is the last candy cane question. Who does the Lord Jesus Christ always have time for? Who does the Lord Jesus Christ always have time for? his covenant children. He always and forever has time for his covenant children. You see, he's infinite. He's not staring at his watch saying it better be quick. He's not looking down saying the line is long, let's move it along. No, he has infinite supplies of time and love to devote to his covenant children. His covenant children that are brought in faith and his covenant children, regardless of age, that come to him in faith. You see, our Lord Jesus Christ desires to bless his children. Let us go to him and be blessed ourselves. Can we do that, parents? Can we do that, grandmothers, grandfathers? Can we do that, aunts and uncles? Can we do that? Uh, Young folks, can we go to him and be blessed ourselves? And as we go, can we commit to taking our children with us that they too might be blessed in the same way in which he has blessed us? Let us run to him this day. This is the call of God upon your life today. Dear one, will you come like a child to the Lord Jesus Christ and be blessed. Let's pray.